Welcome to the Pascal Ngwe Podcast. Pastor Pascal is the senior pastor of Alive Bible Church, a vibrant and growing church with branches across South Africa. Pastor Pascal is an anointed teacher of the Word of God who makes the Bible to come alive. Get ready to be empowered as you listen to the Word of God. The work of ministry, part three. Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 12. And he himself, this is God's initiative. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Why will God go through this hard labor of sending apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers? There's a reason. These fivefold ministries in themselves are not the end. God sent them for something else. And the thing God sent the fivefold ministry for was the work of ministry. So God is interested in work taking place. And God has sent people to equip those that should do that work. So the pastoral is not what God is after. The prophetic is not what God is after. The apostolic, the evangelistic, and even the teaching ministry, that's not what God is trying to achieve. What God is trying to get done is work. God is after work being done. And God realizes that he cannot get the work without the equipping. And he cannot get the equipping without the people that he's going to use to equip. So that's why he gave all these fivefold gifts. We've made them to be the main thing, but that's not what actually God is trying to get done is work. God wants work to be done. God wants work to be done. And the work God wants to be done is called the work of ministry. And God believes you and I can do that job. He didn't give that job to pastors. He gave pastors to train us to do that work. And that's what I've been expounding for the past two, for the past two weeks. And I'm continuing this morning to help you understand that you are more to God than just a church member. Than just somebody who comes and sits in the church, listens to a good sermons, then goes home, come next week, listen to another good sermons, then goes home, come the other week, listen to another sermon. Some of the sermons you've been listening to, some of the services you've been listening to are not blessing you. Let's be honest. They are not blessing you. Do you know why? Because they were not meant for you. The things that are being said in the series do not really concern you. So why is God sending the word? So that you can publish it. So that you can reach others with it. That's why. And as you sit there, that's why you start, people start becoming frustrated. I'm no more blessing the church. That, you see, after getting so much, I mean, how can we feed you? Even KFC, all these guys, they have the, more or less the same thing all the time. They can't change it much. 
It cannot change beyond measure. It will always be around chicken and around a few things of the same. So before you realize it, you get tired of it. There must be another reason that you are coming to the restaurant than just eating. So those of us that have made a commitment to God that we want to be more than just church members, I'm telling you, you've made a great decision. And, if, and I pray that you will make that decision even this morning. That I want to get involved in this work for which God has sent this pastor to me. I want to get involved in that work. I know it's still looking blurry for many of us that you can't seem to figure out what am I going to do. You, you know, you just stick around. As you stick around, you will quick, quickly see or soon see what God has called you to do. What God wants you to do. I can tell you one thing 100%. God didn't call you to sit in the church. That I can tell you for sure. If you are sitting in the church, I'm sorry to make you aware, you are living in disobedience. God never intended for anybody he called to come and sit and watch. If you read your Bible, every time God calls a person, God has work for them to do. Everywhere, in any single, any dispensation, when you are called by God, God is always calling you to do something. Set aside for me, Barnabas and Saul and Paul, for the work to which I have called them. Set them aside for the work, for the work. God set people aside not to glorify them on themselves, but to use them for something greater. Set aside for me, Barnabas and Paul, for the work, for the work. For we shall have called them. Coming to Jesus, as we saw last week, is more than just receiving rest, blessings, and all these things. Let me take you back to it quickly. Matthew 11, 28 and 30. Come to me. That is Jesus inviting you. It's been the great invitation. Come to me. Who must come? All you who are weary and burdened. His promise is, I will give you rest. I'll help you. I'll sort you out. I'll be by your side. Don't we love God for this? He gives us rest. A lot of us have been experiencing this rest from demonic oppression, rest from sin, rest from addictions, rest from this free will Satan had over in your life to do whatever he wants to do. My goodness. God has brought rest in your finances by causing you to save. God has brought rest in your heart by taking away the worries and the sorrows. He's a good God. And he brings rest to his people. Hallelujah. And if you are watching this morning and you, you don't have rest, I tell you, by the time this message is over, rest will meet you. In the name of Jesus. But then he goes on to say, take my yoke upon you. The same people that he has given rest. He hasn't, he didn't give them rest so they can rest. He gave them rest from something so they can take something else. They can take something else. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. So the rest of salvation is rest to some degree. But the rest that comes with ministry is a permanent rest. 
So he said he talks about rest twice. You receive a certain degree of rest when you come to Jesus. But if you stay at that level, there will still be a lot of other things that continue worrying you and disturbing you. When you take a step further and you carry the yoke of Jesus, Jesus now has the full right to give you rest of your soul. Like, he has to allow you to relax so you can do what he wants you to do. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. For those of you that feel the work of God is too much, Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm not calling you to destroy you. I'm not calling you to take from me. I'm calling you to empower you. In fact, the work I want you to do, I will be doing it with you. So it will be easy. It will be easy. Praise the Lord. We also see, we also understand from scriptures that deliverance, like we just saw now, is not just so you can say, I am free. No. No. Why does God deliver you? So you can serve him. Exodus 8 verse verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. Let my people go that they may serve me. So when God lets you go and you don't serve him, before you realize you're back to Pharaoh's bondage. You're back to Pharaoh's bondage. That's your only freedom. The true freedom of your soul is the work of ministry. That's what Jesus was expounding in the man that was set free from one demon. The demon left. When the demon came back, the house was in order, swept and neat, but empty. There was no purpose that the house was fulfilling. There was nothing the house was busy with. And I hope you realize, the Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, so he's talking about you being that house. You were delivered from the evil spirits, you were delivered from this bad habit. The best way to permanently destroy a bad habit is by Developing a new one. A better habit, a good habit, a godly habit. So when you, when you don't do that, when you just say, I am free, but you don't add to the freedom purpose, let my people go that they may serve me. Follow me. I will make you a fisher of men. Come unto me. I will give you rest. Take my yoke. All those scriptures are telling you one and the same thing. God never intended for you to be saved and sit. That's why most of these things return and people backslide. Or they become very, very bad Christians. Christians with duality. Christians that cannot stand for the truth. Christians that compromise their values. Because you see, the purpose of salvation is not to just become a spectator. The main purpose is to serve God. You cannot serve God well when you are still struggling with this struggle. So God sets you free from Pharaoh so you can serve him. So you can serve him. In fact, God is saying, either you will serve Pharaoh or you will serve me. You have to choose who you're going to serve. Wasn't it Joshua who said, choose this the whom you're going to serve. Choose this the whom you're going to serve. Hmm? Either the gods of your fathers or the Jehovah God. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. 
Isn't it Elijah who said, if God be God, follow him. If Baal is Baal, if Baal is God, then serve Baal. Why will you always be between two opinions? You don't know what you want to do. Make a choice. Make a choice. Well, this morning, let's continue with our series. Today's message is entitled, You Are Called to Be Fruitful. Because the question is, I'm called, but for what? To what? What is my calling all about? What am I called to do? And if you remember the first week, I was explaining to you that the ministry, the call to ministry, or the work of ministry Jesus is mentioning here, is really not about these big titles and all that. We, we believe that if, as, you, as you are faithful, God will elevate you as he always does. But I'm talking basics. Where you all start, where we all start, the first calling on your life is the calling to be a saint. The second calling after becoming a saint is the calling to becoming fruitful. That's the second calling. John 15 verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. I chose you not because you are nice and cute and I just want you to stick around. No. The purpose of the choosing is that you should go and bear fruit. You should go and bear fruit. You should go and bear fruit. Jesus chose you not only so you can go to heaven. No. No. As a matter of fact, there was no heaven in your agenda in the first place. God never created you to go to heaven. God created you to live on earth. The only reason why you are going to heaven is because God needs to do another earth. That's why he, you have to go there first because you messed up the earth that he gave you in the first place. When you messed it up, it's been a mess. But God never intended for you to go to heaven, to live in heaven forever. That's why even when we are going there, we are coming back again. We are coming back again. New heaven and new earth. So because the purpose will always remain the same. God wanted people on the earth, physical realm, that he can relate with. So we, we, we believe that we should make it to heaven. That's very important. But don't forget that if, if that was all God wanted, so as soon as you get born again, you are supposed to go to heaven. Do you understand? I mean, if that was the main purpose... Why is God keeping you here? Why? Because there's work to be done here. There's been work to be done, and there will always be work to be done. Now, the problem God has is that we feel there's work to be done, but that work is for Pharaoh. So, we are here to work for Pharaoh until we die, then we go to heaven. But on the meantime, there's nothing else to do for God. He saves us Thank God for saving me. Thank you so much. Let me continue working for Pharaoh. When I'm old, then I will come and meet you in heaven. That is not the truth. God does not save you and keep you on earth so you can continue making Pharaoh great. And when you are old, then he, he, he retires you to heaven. You, you think about it yourself. Well, it doesn't even make sense to you. 
That I send my son to down the cross, do all of this, then I save your soul. After I save your soul, I say, okay, no, continue working for Pharaoh. The person I'm trying to save you from, continue working for him. And then when you are done, then when you are tired, then I'll take you to heaven to rest. Why is he keeping you down here? Because he has his own work down here. He created you on earth. He placed you here to work for him. We saw that last week. He gave you a garden to tender. Long before you even knew there was a snake who came to deceive you, he already gave you work to do. And after he saves you, he restores you back into his purposes so that you can fulfill his work. That's why. So you are really missing out when you are not doing something for God with your life. That there's nothing you are doing for God. All you do is that you are a good Christian that goes to church on Sunday. After Sunday, you go home and continue working for the world. That is terrible. That is terrible. That cannot be the purpose of your salvation. And I want to repeat to you, the purpose of your salvation, yes, part of it is that you should go to heaven. But that is just a, 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 a contingency plan that God had to put in place so that he can redo, redo things. Are you with me? I chose you and I appointed you that you should go. That's what he says in Matthew 28 verse 19. Go and bear fruit. Go. He says go. Go. He's sending us. He's sending us where? To the world. That's the work. His work is the souls of this world that are perishing without any hope of Recovery. Once they die, they are dead. It's over. It's finished. And each one of them depends on you after you are saved to become an agent of salvation. To join the salvation army to go and say, listen, Jesus died for you on the cross. You can also be saved. You start doing that work for him. That's the work. That's the work. He says in John 15 verse 8, This is my father's glory. That you bear much fruit. Showing yourself to be my disciples. I'm trying to show you that your main calling is to be fruitful. Jesus says you you are a good disciple when when you bear much fruit. When you go a lot, I mean, he supported Paul the apostle because Paul kept going. Paul kept going. The gospel reached so many parts of the world because Paul was on the job. Paul was on the job. And the testimony of Paul throughout the world today is higher than any other disciple. Any other disciple. Obviously because he went more than everybody else. He went more than everybody else. Now, you should understand something. Why are we talking about you are called to be fruitful? According to the word of God, every believer is a tree. You are a tree. According to Psalm 1, I think verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by the streams of water. Like Talking about a man who fears God, a man who loves God, a believer, a person who walks according to the ways of God, that person is like a tree that is planted by the streams of waters that brings forth its fruit. In season and the leaves do not wither. 
in Psalm 92, verse 12 to 14, which is what we read over people every time when they come to church. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. They shall grow like the cedar of Lebanon. You can Google cedars of Lebanon. Those are mighty trees. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the course of our God. So these are people, but they are trees that are planted. They are planted. Hmm? And it goes, it, you can never, the Bible never finished talking about trees without mentioning fruit. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Do you know why we can't talk about trees without talking about fruit? Because what makes a tree attractive is the fruit. Meaning what causes people to be drawn to a tree is not the tree itself. It's the fruit on the tree that draws attention. You will agree with me, an orange tree without oranges looks totally different from an orange tree with oranges on it. And if I were to place both oranges, orange trees in front of you, your eyes will be drawn to that particular one that had green leaves with some nice orange, round orange type of looking fruit all around it. The, the fruit makes the tree attractive. And the lack of fruit makes the tree unattractive. You are a, a tree, according to the word of God. So you are called to be fruitful. It's very important that you understand this. It's very important that you realize being fruitful is not pastor's plan to grow the church through you. It's your way of being attractive. You yourself. Unless you are not a tree. But if you are a tree, I mean, you should understand that you have to be attractive. Meaning, you have to draw attention. People have to be drawn to you. What do you think draws people to other people all the time? It's the fruit. The fruit, the same. The fruit, the, when they are around the person, what they, what they get to eat. That's what draws the people. And when you see a person without people around them, it's not difficult to understand. There's no fruit. All the fruits are undeveloped. Nothing reveals a person's character better than the fruits on them or the lack thereof. Nothing reveals your character better than the fruit. And that is a deduction we're getting from Jesus himself. In Matthew 7, 15 to 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. So these are people that have a form of good people, but inside they are something else. Now, how will you know that? Because you can't see inside a person. How will you know who people are? He gives us the key. You shall know them by their fruit. How will you know a false prophet? How will you know a false believer? How will you know a false beloved? How will you know a false Christian? How will you know a false person? 
How, how do you know that this person is not right? How do you know? Because you can't see it. It's inside. The fruit. The fruit. Nothing reveals your character better than your fruit. Why? Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. You know, it looks like Jesus is repeating himself. Or he just, but he is telling you very profound things. You can never get a good fruit from a bad person. And you can never get a bad fruit from a good person. So the main thing to always be looking at, the fruits. The fruits. Even God has to depend on the fruit, rely on the fruit to do anything. Hmm? God checks the fruit, not the leaves, not the branches. The branches might look mighty, and the fruit might not be nice. The leaves might look so attractive and so green. Jesus even was deceived by that one time. He saw a fig tree, and he saw how beautiful it looked. He thought there were fruits in it. When he went close, he realized, though the leaves are there, though the branches are there, though the shade is there, the fruit is not there. The fruit is not there. And Jesus didn't have mercy. He didn't have mercy. And that is what we are seeing here. Verse 19 and 20. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. It seems like God does not have a second thought. And God does not tolerate. Do you understand? He doesn't accommodate it. And you're going to say, it seems to not very much accommodate fruitlessness. Therefore, by their fruit, you will know them. Marry people based on fruit. Get in business deals based on fruit. Choose an assistant based on fruit, not on likes, not on body shape. You see, the, the shape of a tree might be so nice. Look at, if you look at the trunk of the tree, it looks so beautiful. It looks so attractive. But the main thing that will make the judgment perfect is not the trunk, the shape, the fruit. And a lot of us keep falling into the same mistake of going for leaves, of going for branches, or of going around the trunk. And by the time the things start releasing the fruit, you are surprised. You are surprised. They don't taste nice. They are bitter. They are sour. Or there is not even a fruit at all. There's nothing. You are waiting and waiting and waiting. The leaves are beginning to fall. And there's no fruit. Do you see how important to fruit is? You have to be fruitful. 
You have to be fruitful. It's a very important stage in your life that when you become fruitful, it is the result of a lot of processes that have matured before we can say you are fruitful. No, as you're growing, you can grow. You can grow, but that is not what God uses to evaluate or assess your maturity. You can look very tall. You can look very green. You can, that's not what God uses to assess your maturity, to assess your utility. God uses fruit. Because before fruit can come, and now what type of fruit? It must be a good one. You see that that's, it, for you to produce good fruits that will sell, that people will pay any amount of money to buy, you spend any amount of money to buy them, you're going to have to go through a process. And that process will change you. That's why God does not wait for you at the leaves. He waits for you at the fruit. And if you two were making choices based on fruit, you'd be very successful. You'd be very successful. Fruitfulness is a sign of God's blessing at work in somebody's life. Genesis 1.28, God blessed them and said, be fruitful. It's a sign that the blessing of God is present. It's a sign. It's a sign. It's a sign. In fact, it's the first manifestation of the blessing of God in, a, in, a body, in somebody's life, in somebody's ministry, in somebody's business, the first sign that God has come is that fruit start coming out. You start just having leaves. You know, Abraham was called exalted father. Exalted father without children. But he's called exalted Abraham. Exalted father. Exalted father. You are so highly dignified that you don't have something then Abraham, father of nations. Do you see the difference now? Be fruitful and increase in number. So he's talking about numbers. Numbers. When your numbers increase, it's a sign of the blessing of God. When your numbers are increasing. And when your numbers are not there, you see, you, you are thinking that, no, numbers don't matter. Numbers, is not necessary. God has a whole book in the Bible called the book of numbers. A whole book. A whole book dedicated to numbers. Only numbers. You, tell, you are saying numbers don't matter. He's telling you how many disciples he had. He's telling you how many people were in the, in the, in the, in the upper room. He's telling you how many people he fed. He's telling you how many baskets were fed. You know, he, and you are saying that numbers don't matter. It doesn't matter if you come with nobody. It doesn't matter if you come with three. If I come with five and you come with seven, it doesn't matter. But God keeps telling you that numbers matter. Numbers speak a great volume to you. Yeah. Numbers. A whole book called the book of numbers. And you are saying that God doesn't care about numbers. And I said to increase in number. Increase in number. It means God checks numbers. God counts people. God counts what is going on. And God evaluates you based on the numbers. Based on the numbers. I'm telling you. The people that have a greater witness 
He says, how do you know? It's the numbers that show you that thing. Because we, we cannot start checking what you were doing yesterday, what you did last month, what you did last year. But when you are not doing the thing we are all checking, we check the, what is happening there. The numbers don't lie there. If you did all these other things, the numbers will tell us. The numbers tell you the secret work that has happened. Numbers reveal secret work. Just like fruits reveal the nature of a tree. That you cannot just look at it and say, wow, this is a great tree. What well, is a powerful tree. I think I want, you, I want you to stay with this tree. Wait for the fruit first before you are talking like that. Wait for the numbers first before you make your last conclusion. The numbers. The numbers. How are you doing with the numbers? How are you doing with the numbers? Hmm? Deuteronomy 7 verse 14. You shall be blessed above all people. There shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. So you see that God is promising you that if he is with you, barrenness can never be your portion. Nothing around you should be barren. Nothing. Because it says even the livestock. What is the livestock? Your, 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 your goat? Your chicken? I mean, if God is going even on your livestock to say that even the livestock must not be barren, how much more you? How much more you? This is God caring about your chicken. I don't know if you guys know Papa Billy. Papa Billy is this evangelist that goes around Africa, you know, preaching the gospel. Papa Billy said he read this scripture and his dog was not giving birth. His dog could not give uh, puppies. So he read this scripture and he was going on a, on a trip, on, on an international trip. He said before he was leaving the house, he called the puppy, come, 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 come. He laid hands on the dog and said, based on Deuteronomy 7 verse 14, you must, I, by the time I come back, there must be something. And then when he returned, indeed, puppy, puppy had produced some puppies. I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, fruitfulness is your portion. It is your portion. And receive it. Receive. Believe that I am supposed to be fruitful. I will not accept anything less than fruitfulness in my life. At any level. When you are not seeing fruitfulness, something is not right. It's not the will of God. No, 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 no. Cannot be the will of God. Cannot be the will of God that you are always without a number. There's no number around you. And it's okay. God doesn't care about numbers. I came to tell you, he cares, oh. He cares. He cares about numbers. And when you keep coming up with that nothing, it's not that, no, you see, um, it's just me, I do other things. What do you do? What do you mean? What do you do? What do you do? We hear about numbers. And if you are a child of God, you should produce numbers. God's attitude towards barrenness is very clear throughout scriptures. His attitude towards barrenness is very clear. And I want to present it to you because you need to know where a person is standing. You should be very clear about it. John 15 verse 2. He cuts off every tree in him. So God, Jesus is saying that I am the, I am the vine and you are the branches. And my father, the vine, the vine dresser. 
Then verse 2. He cut off the Father, God. God cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. You must still stay in the church. No, you, you, must, stay, you must stay in the church. Not a problem. But fa- the Father, the Father has moved. The Father has moved. That is his attitude. You, you might think that maybe he might tolerate. No, no, he cut off. You need to understand that about God. He cuts off every tree that bears no fruit. His attitude is that you must be fruitful. Be fruitful. Be fruitful. If you are not fruitful, I cut off. Mark eleven twelve. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find that if it had any fruit, not if it had any leaf, the leaves were there, the branches were there, the trunk was there, the roots were there, everything that makes a tree a tree, everything was there. But there was one major thing that was not. Remember you are a tree. By the way, you are still a tree. A tree of righteousness, a palm tree, a tree by the river. You are a tree. You are a tree. And Jesus is coming to you and me. And if our leaves are in place, our branches are in place, our roots are in place, our trunk is tall, like a palm tree. You are tall. People can see you from far. You are making a lot of noise. Now he's coming to check the fruit. Hmm? to find that if it had any fruit, when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves. What a disappointment. Nothing but leaves. Nothing but leaves. Nothing but leaves. Nothing but leaves. It's not like there's nothing, nothing. There's something, but as far as Jesus is concerned, it's nothing. Mm. Nothing but playing the piano. Nothing but arranging chairs. Nothing but sweeping the church. Nothing but singing in the choir. Nothing. Nothing but dancing. Nothing but doing drama. Nothing but doing sound. Nothing but fixing the roof. Nothing but leaves. Nothing but leaves. Nothing. Nothing but leaves. Nothing. You said I'm doing something. Those are leaves. Leaves. Most of everything else apart from fruit is leaves. And God is showing you his attitude towards it. If you know that story well, he cursed that tree. Yeah. He cursed the tree. When you are hungry, do you eat, do you eat leaves? When you are hungry, do you eat branches? Are you an elephant? Huh? Huh? Do you eat dancing stars? Do you eat singing stars? Is that how you are eating? Have you ever heard that heaven was happy because there were dancing stars on earth? The only thing that makes heaven happy is a soul. 
a soul, a soul, a soul, a soul, a soul, a soul. That is the hunger of Jesus. Jesus' hunger is only fulfilled when he eats a soul. Yeah. So he found leaves, but he didn't find a fruit. Mind you, a baby in the womb of a woman, the Bible calls it the fruit of the womb. The fruit of the womb. The fruit of the womb. Even a baby in the stomach is called the fruit of the womb. So he's telling you what is the fruit he's looking for. He's telling you what the fruit is looking for. Oh yes. Let's look at the next place where we find Jesus clear about fighting this thing called barrenness and fruitlessness. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. Remember you are a tree. And he came seeking fruit. He came seeking fruit on it. Not leaves. You shall know them by their fruit. It's the fruit that reveals. It's the fruit people come for. Nobody has an interest in any mango. Do you even know? Do you even know where those oranges are coming from? You are not interested in which orange tree brought this one. That's not the point. It's the orange. The orange itself is the, is the apple. You are not interested in which apple tree. Nobody ever asks himself, oh, I wonder which apple tree produced this apple. Nobody cares about that. Their focus has always been the fruit. That's why when you go to Shopra, you don't find apple trees. You find apple fruit. You find orange. Because that's what people eat. That's what people are interested in. And that's the thing you are saying is not necessary. He came seeking fruit on it and found none. And this is the second time you are finding God looking for fruit on a tree and he doesn't find it. Sounds like us that you can't find fruit. Then he said to the keeper of the vine, the vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Three years. God is counting. God is counting the years he's been giving you to produce fruit. Three years. Actually, never. How many years, by the way? But like right now, how many years? Because you are about to see a judgment over a three-year period. Now, God is fair. If this is the judgment that is coming over a three-year period, my question is, how many years have you been in the system? And could it be that as we are sitting here, judgment was passed a long time ago, and you didn't even notice it? Three years. I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Cut it down. I want you to understand God's attitude. So you might think that maybe, see, when you read it in John, John 15, you think, hey, God is so strict. I mean, he come check once, very fine, cut down. But here, look, he shows you that he came the first year. He didn't find anything. He didn't say anything. So, okay, I'm going to give it on. He came the second year. Nothing. Came the third year, nothing. He's not coming here on the fourth year. Because he's saying for three years I've been coming.
cut it down, why does it use up the ground? But the vine dresser answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also. Until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, you can cut it down. Some of us have entered the fertilization stage where now we are, we are using extra external forces. Yeah, we are using manure, we are using different things, some herbicides. We are just using certain things now to try to boost the whole thing. Because in a natural state, it's not working. It's not working. Your own shall start working from this morning in the name of Jesus. I believe as, I, as God has anointed me this morning, there's a spirit of fruitfulness that is going to enter you. That spirit of fruitfulness is going to drive barrenness to the root. That spirit of fruitfulness is going to attack barrenness. It's going to attack anything that looks like barrenness in and around you. It will subdue it until your fruit will appear. Until your fruit will appear. Until your fruit will appear. Don't wait till God cuts you down. It will be too late. It will be too late. Once a branch is cut down, you can't bring it back on the tree. Don't wait to reach that critical stage. Don't wait to reach that critical stage where as a branch, as a branch, you are cut down. Don't wait for that stage. Once you reach that stage, it's done. It's over. Three ways to becoming fruitful. Number one. You can become fruitful through faithfulness in little things. Faithfulness in little things will transform you into a fruitful person. When you're talking about fruitfulness, people think you have to start up high up there. Almost every unfruitful person is an unfaithful person in little things. You find that the little things are where they are beaten in the game every time. The little things. They want to do big things, but they overlook the little things. They don't value the little things. That's why they don't have capacity built up over the years to handle the big things. They don't have it. If you are faithful in little things, Luke 16, 10, You will be faithful in large ones. So fruitfulness is a result of being faithful in little things. Be faithful in little things. When God gives you one person, be faithful with that one person. Before you know it, you will have two people. If God gives you two people, be faithful with those two people. Before you know it, two people will become four people. That's how it is. That's how it is. If God gives you a bedroom, be faithful with one bedroom. Before you know it, God will give you two bedrooms. I yet have to find God giving a person a duplex if God hasn't tested you with one bedroom. You might have to go and get it by yourself, but if it is God who will give you, God will never start with a duplex, a triplex. God will start with one bedroom first. 
How are you handling one bedroom? What are you doing? I, I, God will start by even putting you in another person's house to start with. Not even a bedroom he's giving you. First of all, he will put you in a rented house. How are you going to treat another person's house? What are you going to do with another person's house? Oh no, God will test you with your own children by allowing other children to come to you first. Have you seen those people when their parents are not, they're pinching other people's children, they're pinching, they're pinching, they're doing all kinds of things with other children? They are so irritated when they see children around them. Hmm? So even when God decrees that no, this one wasn't, then the angels start making mistakes and they send children there. The person becomes such a bad parent that even the angels are regretting what they, they were, they had this on the person. A bad parent. The children are even regretting that, why are you my father? Why are you my mother? I don't even know. Like, it becomes such a mess. Because if you check, the person was not good with other children, other people's children. Before God will allow you to pastor a church, God will test you in a cell. You see that cell where God has placed you? That is your pathway to having a church tomorrow. But there you are, not minding yourself. You can't wait to have a church to prove yourself. Because that church will never come. It will never come. It will never come. Because it is the cell that becomes a church. Over the years of faithfulness. Yeah. So faithfulness in little things. Luke 19, 17, he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little thing. Have authority over ten cities. Things turned into cities. Few, little things became ten cities. Little things. You are faithful with little things. Have authority over ten cities. You are the next in that line in the name of Jesus Christ. As you are faithful in these little things, you will not be able to establish a correlation between little things and ten cities. Ten cities. Ten cities. Ten branches. Ten this. Ten that. Because of little things. That's the key. Of fruitfulness. Faithfulness in little things. Little things. Little things. Faithful to go and wake up that person every morning. Make sure they come to church. Then go and do that one. Little things. You are just busy with little But you are doing it faithfully. Not to hit one week, then you disappear for ten weeks. Then you wake up again after a message like this one. Hey! No, 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 no. I don't want to be cut. No, 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 no. Then for two, for two days, boom, 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 boom. Then you go back again. No. Number two, you can become fruitful through the pruning process. The pruning process. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear even more. The pruning process. The pruning process. What does it mean to prune? It means you cut away, you know, 
overgrown branches or unnecessary things that are in the tree that are just sucking the energy of the tree and the tree is unable to produce more because, you see, when a branch comes out, the tree has the responsibility to send life there. It has to sustain that branch. But these overgrown branches don't have fruit. They are just big branches that, that they have nothing. So a good farmer will be cutting off all those such trees so that the energy of the tree is directed where it's needed. Where it's needed. Cutting away dead trees, especially to encourage growth. We are not cutting away trees just because we like cutting. We are cutting things so that we can encourage growth. We can foster growth. Hmm? So what are we saying? For you to become fruitful, you have to subject yourself to a process called pruning. 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 Some of you, you are fruitful, but just for little. For you to become very fruitful, you need to start pruning. You need to allow God to prune you. If you, there, some of you that maybe you, you get the little things there, a little thing. The reason why you can't go beyond that is because of this verse. The branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it can bear much fruit. And when the branch is being pruned, it's very painful. It's very painful to be cutting all these things off the branch. But that is what it takes before the branch can bear more fruit. If you don't allow the pruning process, you have chosen a very low life. A very, very small ministry. A very, very small impact. Because you don't allow the pruning process to go on. What does God want to prune? Sin. God wants to prune the sin in your life. No, there is a stage where you can do certain things and still be fruitful to some degree. But there is a stage where if you now want to come here, God will say, look, if you want to be here, you can't be here and still doing this. Now you have a choice. Will you choose to rise higher by letting go of this? Or will you remain low by keeping this? You must look at a rocket when it goes up. To go a bit higher, it has to let go of something. Every time it lets go of something, it goes a bit higher. Every time it lets go of something, it goes a bit higher. You too, as a rocket, you will continue rising higher as you let go of things that make you look so nice. You see, when the rocket takes off, it looks so nice. The shape is so nice. But at every stage, it has to let go of a nice piece. And it starts looking awkward and odd as it goes. Until it just becomes a little round thing. That's the main thing. That's your main purpose. It's trapped in all these other things. You're not to make a decision. That relationship has to be pruned. That bad habit has to be pruned. That disloyalty tendency in you has to be pruned. As long as that disloyalty tendency is there, God can trust you. Those your best friends have to be pruned. They are the reason why God can give you more. They are the reason. That negative aspect in your temperament that you have not addressed has to be pruned. As long as that aspect is there, Oh, you know me, I'm a melancholic. Oh, you know me, I'm a sanguine. Oh, me, me, I'm a choleric. You are just allowing those things. 
the pruning process must cut through them to cause you to rise a bit higher. You can't continue accepting, oh, no, me, I'm just slow. Show me how many people have changed the world by being slow. Show me how many people have won games by being slow. Like we, 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 our strategy is that we are slow on the field. We don't run, you know, we just take our time. And you are winning games. Lastly, you become fruitful through the dying process. The dying process. Most assuredly, that is John 12, 24 to 26, more assuredly I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. So those of us that you keep coming to church alone, you go home alone, you go everywhere alone, you come alone, Jesus is explaining what is going on. He remains alone. You remain alone. When you are this person, you are always alone. Maybe you don't want to die. There are things in your life that you haven't allowed to die. It's part of you know, the pruning process. Just that with the pruning we cut, here you let it, it must die. It must die. Nobody will cut it for you. You have to kill it. But if it dies, it produces much grain or much fruit. If it dies, it's a condition. If you allow yourself to die, if you let the things die, your cravings, your this, if you, if you let those things die. Hmm? He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternity, for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. All of this, the honor will come from a person who chose to die so that he can bear much fruit. And God says that by bearing much fruit, you are serving him. And he says, if you do that, his father will honor you. Do you understand the equation? You die, and then you bear much fruit. By bearing much fruit, Jesus said, you are serving him. And by serving him, his father will honor you. Unless God has changed. Unless there's another Bible that we don't know about. Where things are said that we don't know here. But this is what he said. And this is what will work. You can choose to interpret it the way you want. You can choose to not even listen to this message. No problem. But the fact is, this is what, this is, what is going to work. The sooner we align ourselves, the better. Ah, I pray for you this morning that God will visit you in the area of fruitfulness. Yes. Spiritually, ministerially, financially, every area of your life where you will dare to apply what I've taught you this morning. If you are faithful with little tight, you become very fruitful in your finances. Any area of your life that you will choose to obey this morning, you will see the results in that area. I want us to stand on our feet and to start thanking God for this word. Just thank God that he has sent such a word to revive you, 
to strengthen you, to show you the way, to cause you to realize that everything doesn't have to remain the way it is, that may God awaken you into fruitfulness, awaken you into the reality of the fruit, and that God is very clear about what he wants. May you not forget this message. May this message not be stolen from your heart. May this message not leave you the same. May you change as a result of this message. Somebody is praying that prayer. Somebody is praying that prayer. Lord, make me fruitful. Lord, make me fruitful. Lord, sharpen me. Lord, prune me. Lord, let me die in areas where I should die so that I can live in you. You are praying that prayer. You are praying that prayer. Lord, cause me to be fruitful, to be faithful in little things. Faithful and little things. Faithful and little things. Faithful and little things. Lord, help me. Lord, help me to appreciate, to value little things. Oh, Jesus. Somebody is praying that prayer. Help me to be faithful with the little people you've given me. Help me to give it my best. Help me to be focused. Help me to cut distractions. To cut distractions. To cut distractions. The stillness of destinies, distractions, distractions that are just stealing people's destinies. Open your mouth and pray. Open your mouth and pray. Say, Lord, change my heart. Lord, change my heart. Thank you for opening my eyes this morning. Thank you for showing me things I had begun to forget. Thank you for reviving my heart into your true calling of my life. I'm changing in the name of Jesus. I'm changing, I'm changing, I'm changing. I refuse to be barren. I refuse to be barren. I refuse to be fruitless. I choose to be fruitful. Because my father commanded it. And God cannot ask me to do something I cannot do. He said be fruitful. If he asks me to be fruitful. Because I can be fruitful. And I will be fruitful. I will be fruitful. I will be fruitful in my ministry. I will be fruitful in my spiritual life. I will be fruitful in my finances. I will be fruitful in every area of my life. In soul winning, in my cell, in my branch, I will be fruitful. I renounce anything that looks like barrenness around me. I dissociate myself from barrenness, from wilderness. I dissociate myself. I dissociate myself. I refuse to be barren. I refuse to be. I reject it. I reject it. Come on, somebody reject it right now. Reject it. Reject it. It's not the will of your father. It's not the image of God. Look at how God treats it in the trees. How long will you be fruitless? How long will you tolerate something God has rejected? Why can you tolerate something your father is not tolerating? Reject it. Reject it. Before you are cut down. Before you are cut down. Cut it down before it cuts you down. Cut it down before it cuts you down. Cut it down before it cuts you down. In Jesus precious name we have given thanks. If you are watching this morning and you are not born again, I'd like to lead you in a prayer that will cause you to come alive in God. 
that will cause you to become fruitful. If you are saying, Pastor, please pray with me. I want Jesus. I want to be born again. I would like my sins to be forgiven. I want God to reign over me. I'm going to actually count up to you. Raise your right hand and I pray with you. One, two, three. Raise your right hand. God bless you. God bless you. Repeat this word after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. Please forgive me my sins. Wash me with your blood. I believe you died for me. On the third day you rose again. That I might be justified. Right now, I believe my sins are forgiven. I'm justified by your blood. I'm saved. I'm restored. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I am free from the power of sin to serve the living God. Thank you, Jesus, for receiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for restoring me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. May God bless you. Remember to subscribe to receive our latest service notifications and to share the link. You can also watch our pastor, Pastor Pascal, live on our Facebook page, Alive Bible Church HQ, or on our YouTube channel, Alive Bible Church SA. Remember, you are alive to give life. Can I